Do you play soccer or have a child that plays soccer? Are you targeting a prep school? Are you looking to play college soccer in the NCAA? Oliver Charles Sports Agency has you covered. Oliver Charles Sports is a soccer agency that helps with prep school, college and university, and professional placement. They work with a wide variety of ages and skill levels. Book a meeting to learn more. If you are a player or parent and need help, please click the link in the episode description and mention the Mater Soccer Talk podcast for a discount. Welcome back to the Mater Soccer Talk podcast, another episode of American Soccer Talk, and my next guest has played professionally, coached at every level, and currently runs his own institute. Uh, Lee, welcome to the podcast. Um, Starting off, can you give the listeners some background on your playing career um, and then lead into your coaching career? Well, my my playing career was a career's polite word. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I played in England, uh, played for a couple of different clubs there, um, had the opportunity to sort of start my coaching journey even while I was playing. Um, I'm a bit older than I look. Um, so it was, uh, they were really forcing education. It was sort of a pre-YTS. So uh, one of the things you see, I was playing football that my mum would want me to continue to, to go to school. So... I was able to do that as well. So, yeah, um, I came over to America like a lot of people and uh, from from England in, in sort of camp companies and really enjoyed it. Um, figured out that going through the licenses and, and, and learning uh, about the culture as I went would be would be the best way to do everything. Um, yeah, and ended up. Uh, working, working there with uh, most recently with the Houston Dash as the assistant coach there. Uh, but after that, I started my own institute, um, which has been sort of a an ever evolving process. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, what can you tell us about the institute? I was looking at your website a little bit, and seems like you got a good thing going. But I just want to hear like. What's the goal of it? Is it a club? Do you work with clubs? How does it, how does it work? What's your goal with that? Yeah, so yes to both. Um, I think for me, the reality is that youth soccer is its own, uh, well, for want of a better way, I put it, its own machine, right? Um, it's 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 this thing that churns. You go in one end and you come out the other. And unfortunately, not everyone's better off for it. Um, so in my, my approach has always been pretty holistic, even, you know, in academies and whatnot, because I think that to have good players, you have to have good people. And it, it's really hard to have good people if your investment is transactional. Um so the way I, I look at it with TTI, with short to the technical institute, is we're a club. We just don't play in a league. Um, I'm not sure where that best serves anyone. Um, I'm not sure, especially we live. We're in. I'm in Houston, Texas. 
So, you know, some league games could be an eight-hour round trip in a car. Right. Um, so I think that, that that's part and parcel of living in a, in a big state. I think it's part and parcel of just the literal geography of the country. Um, so we we actually do it a little bit differently. So we'll go to Mexico to play. Oh wow! <laughs> we'll uh, we'll we'll go uh, this next coming year. We'll go down and play Rayados and Tigres uh, in Monterrey. And my sort of uh, way of putting that is that's a real academy experience. You're playing against kids that are, are doing it. Maybe they're doing their academics at the academies as well. Um, so it gives you a real understanding of where you are, not just in Texas or in Region 4 or the country, but more in where are we overall, right? Because right. there's a lot of pathways here that are sold. I think that's the best way of putting it. And I, I, I don't think it has to be serious or enjoyable, <laughs> I don't think it has to be REC or Acronym City. Um, I think it can be both. Um, we'll go to London as well next year. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure we're, we're still in the midst of working it all out, but we'll play against Fulham and Chelsea. And I think it just gives this, this more worldly, rounded experience for the player of, this is where I'm at. This 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 is... This is what a kid looks like at my age in Mexico. This is what a kid looks like in Texas. This is what a kid looks like in, in England. And we'll, we'll continue to do those things with, with our players. Just, we just think the benefit is is larger than maybe going to Oklahoma for one or two games. Not that there's anything wrong with Oklahoma. Just it's a long way to go to play a couple of games of football. Yeah, sure. Uh no, that sounds great. Um, I know my club growing up, we at U13, uh, that we did a trip to England. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like an America. I feel like that's kind of the make or breaking point of a kid, sadly, of if they're going to take it serious or if they're just going to kind of play for fun. Um, and I just, I remember that trip being a great experience. It was eye opening on how serious it is, how passionate. The English yeah. are and uh, just culture shock. <laughs> I remember yeah. being. We were playing uh, Reading's Academy, um, and they actually were, were having tryouts, um, and our goalie didn't come, so we got their goalie. Um, so he got a lot of shots. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it was it was good fun. You do get to see where you're at, so I, I think that's great what you're doing. Interesting approach. Um, do, do you play games throughout the? fall and the winter like and yeah, just friendlies just, or yeah well yeah they'd be noted as friendlies um but yeah um we'll play the occasional tournament i think it we're uh we have to look internally and say what do our players need so we've got a couple of players that want to play in europe at the moment so going to europe suits them they can get their the coaches from those universities to come and watch them play um but we've got a lot of kids that we've got a lot of kids that quite frankly, are legacies. They're going to go to UT no matter what. Right. Um, so going to endless showcases on there, be, you know, doesn't help them. So the approach we take to it is, here's 10 events, you've got to make seven of them. And we'll take the players we've got for, for those events. 
Um, yeah, but to answer your question, yeah, we yeah we played recently, played against um, Jen Lapont and Cami Privet, both ex NWSL players. They've got a team here, and we we played them to a to a three one loss. But the overall impact of that, just getting to play against, you know, players that you've you watched and we we had this great little moment. I'm not a big social media guy, but the great little moment between one of our players that was starstruck. Yeah. Cap Privet was there and she's got pictures of her when she was at the dash and things like that. And for then her to play against her and get real honest feedback in, you know, in real time was like, to me, that's more of what the game maybe should be about rather than, you know, we we won X tournament and you know gained this many points and things like that. It doesn't doesn't seem like that generally works for the whole. Um, I think for the top level players, need a place to play. I think that actually should fall on US soccer. Um, I think that their abdication of that is pretty poor. I think that needs to. That needs to be revisited. Um, and then I think, you know, it, it's it, the rest of the players, it, it does it make sense to travel weekly and to to places for games that you have no control over the officials, the uh, standard of the fields, uh, whether there is a trainer or not there, you know, all of yeah. these things. Um I think it's super, super important that you look at what what's the journey look like for you. So that's what we try and do. We say, right, okay, we've got player X and Y that want to start playing earlier in Europe. And we've just had a kid go to uh, Italy. Uh, and then, you know, we've got kids that literally play for fun. Yeah. They're all on the same team. <laughs> and it can be done sort of thing. Uh, basically, you know, it's not without its challenges, right? We've got, you know, it's not without right. its challenges. Yeah. yeah, so with that, do you notice, you know, the kids that are just there having fun and the kids that are trying to go play in Europe, you know, does do they bring down the level, the kids that are just there for fun, or or is it pretty stand, you know, it's still, no, you know. because because they're not there, you know, they're not there doing cartwheels and raising the daisies. They're there to play. Right. Um right. Most of them have had some sort of disaffected, uh, you know, experience in youth soccer, right? So they're broken from tireless club or high school play or both. Um, some of them want to play in college and, you know, don't want necessarily to be running all over the country. They know where they want to go and what they want to do. Um, so those things become a bit easier. Uh, comes a an easier pathway for them. Um, I think that it doesn't uh, fun and seriousness are, are not mutually exclusive. You know, I think right. I'm a decent coach. I you know I take it really seriously. But you know, if we lose at the weekend, I'm I'm not gonna not gonna be uh be upset too bad if it's uh if there was a bit of learning and, and we got what we wanted out of it. Right. Um, another thing I noticed uh, with your Institute, it sounds like uh full-time staff. Is that right? 
your coaches are full time. I think that's a big problem in America. Um, you know, a lot of clubs, it's just a parent helping out or, you know, they're struggling to find consistent good coaches because it's not a full time gig for most most coaches. You know, they have their full time staff, their directors and all that. But uh, what made you go that route? And is, you know, is that why you did it? You know, it's important to be full time and all that. What are your thoughts? Well, we got we got real mix, right? Um, so we've got um, you know coaches that are with us full time. Um, we've got coaches that aren't. Um, we generally, uh, I'm really lucky with the staff because we've got you know Jane Campbell and Joel Anderson and Christine Naren, um, you know, that have all. all currently playing or have played got a long list of professional players that have been in and out with us I think with staff is I'm not I'm not scared to have someone in that's that's uh have more experience than me uh anything that benefits our player we just hired George Perry who's a phenomenal performance coach um the one thing we are we, we say with the with the coaches is they have to be there for the players. So we pay relatively well. Um, we're a no worry place of if you need to be somewhere, uh, you know we can take training and that has to trickle with the players as well. The players have to know that academics takes priority. That from time to time family takes priority, and so we have we have that very. Uh, and sort of mixed bag. So at training, it will be some mainstays and then we'll have coaches come in and out. Uh, but we don't have any head coaches. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> so, so it's, yeah, look, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like this is the way to do it. And it's, uh, God, this is all sunshine and rainbows over here and everyone should copy. It's not, it, it takes a lot of explaining and education and help. Uh, People come to me anyway, for the most part. So, you know, this today, for example, I work with our five through seven year olds. Um, and so I want everyone to be in this reality that is a club, that this isn't just your your team. See you later. We wish you the best. It's uh it's uh, you know, we're all working together. So um Cesar's next Houston Dynamo player will be with the younger ones tonight, and then Chrissy will be with the Christine be with the older ones. So, you know, and that tomorrow will change. <laughs> so, you know, it, it gets to your point, it gets to a point where it is a true, genuine club. We're not just right. teams on an island wearing the same shirt. Um, the values of the club are important to us. Everyone knows them. We speak about them. We're even hearing parents talk about our values and i think that sometimes look at the development not just in terms of oh well you know we've won this tournament we've we've never won before but look at it from a perspective of sometimes we've got kids that haven't enjoyed soccer for a while and they come back and they'll be with us for a little bit and they're playing they're smiling they're shaking your hand they're making you know having a good bit of uh sort of training ground banter and that's development right 
you know, it, it, it's not all limited to how far you can kick a ball or how accurately. It's a, it's a whole thing. It's a whole process. Again, it, it's tough. We we go over the values all the time. Um, we use them during sessions. Um, we, we work in a play-based environment. So a lot of the stuff we do is is uh, real to real to football itself. And I would say with the exception of George, who um, runs all the physiological stuff and he, and he's, he's brilliant with it. Um, my, my, my biggest thing with our staff is you just got to be connected. So you got to be connected to the players. Um, I was talking to a player recently who was got an offer from a, a club here to play on the ACNL group. And that must be really tempting. And so, but when you're talking to the player and you're saying, well, what do they know about you? Oh, they're going to offer me a place on their ACNL. But what do they know about you? Oh, well, they've they've said that oh, I'll be the best X for this position. Da, 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 da. Do they know your last name? <laughs> <laughs> do they know that you're homeschooled? Do they know you're good at science? Do they know that you've been through two rough injuries? And the answer to all those things is no. And that's where we hit that for us. I, you know, I no term for it, but it's definitely a line in the sand of the acronym of whatever it is, G-A-E-C-N-L. I don't know, there's, there's, there's a thousand now, but that's still a really strong pull. And when you ask, okay, what's their actual plan for you? Oh, I'm, I'm going to play for them. Yeah, but what's their plan for you? You want to go to this school in Florida. We're now a year down the line of talking to that school and they've made you a pretty favourable offer. You know, so so we still we still fight that stuff. I mean, daily, really. Yeah. <laughs> I, wish, I wish we didn't, but um, we still do. So, yeah, the connections, the big thing is, yeah, and in explaining that connection to the players, of it does matter that past this, um, and I say that, Jake, because I was an angry coach. I was a young angry coach running up and down the touchline, screaming at players, and oh, why can't they do it if I can do it? And why are the parents are all stupid and all that? And over the years, I've learned that collaboration and an approach of person first really is better. We sure do still have players leave us for those acronyms. Right. And I wish they didn't because the figure is, and I wrote it down because I thought we might talk about this, 79% of those players come back to us within a year. So that means four out of every five players that leave come back. And now we're able to say to players, hey, there's a big chance you're going to be back here. Yeah. If you're going to be back here, is it worth losing the year here? Are you going to be, how will you feel when we're at Stamford Bridge in March? Is that going to affect you? And not as a tool of guilt or recruitment even, but just laying things out. And no, and also on the flip side, kid came to us. We've got, I've got the opportunity to play in Rome. Uh, I need an agent. I need this. I need that. Brilliant. How can we help you go? And pushing them on. Um, so if we feel like the environment's right, we'll we're, we're, we're never keep keep a player. But yeah, with this uh, coming back full circle, there, 
we really rely on the staff to talk to talk to the players and connect with them yeah yeah i think that's great um i think that's important to have you know people that have genuine interest what's best for you and uh not just the title um you know you mentioned a lot about the the acronyms all these new leagues club soccer um what are your thoughts just in of club soccer in america um with all these new leagues and a bunch of new clubs probably developing because of it. And, uh, you know, with your experience, what have you kind of seen over the years, good, bad? And um, It's a difficult one, right? Because I think my overwhelming thoughts are we live on the outside of it for a deliberate reasoning, right? Um. I think the top 1% are really well catered to. I think if you've got the ability to pay or be scholarshiped onto a top-level girls ECNL team or you're playing in Major League Soccer, you're on the right pathways. Um, that's really important, um, especially on the, with the boys. I think if you're in an MLS club and you're able to stick it out there, you're going to get a standard that is ahead of standalone clubs in general. Um, on the girls' side, the ACNL is probably the top top league or recognised, and that seems to run really well. With my own TTI's part of US club soccer, I think that how they approach things makes a lot more sense in general. Um, but uh, I think overall, we're a country with so many millions of people playing. And I think we're always going to produce 20-odd uh, Americans over the course of a 10-year span that can really play. If you look at the men's side, you look at you know, ships and Dest and, and some of these guys, that are, they're really good players. Um and then on the women's side, I think we've got a long way to go. Um, I think that there's a, there is an emphasis now on are the acronyms the best place or do we need to go back to things where we had national training centres that were, you know, were in IMG and that's where the players went. Um, but I think you've also got to realise that moving from California to Florida seems like nothing, but it's... The equivalent of like moving from England to South Africa, it's a long way, um, and so I think I think that I think US soccer needs to step in somewhere along the line and maybe, you know, have sort of three or four, four or maybe four, four, five, six, eight training centres that are national training centres that take care of the top 100, 200 players in the country, um, you know, and really take care of them. Um, I think that's possible. Uh, I think uh, the, we've got the coaches, we've got the resources um, to do something like that. For the average kid, I don't know if any of it makes much sense. Um, I don't want to travel uh, needlessly for my own kids' sports. Um, but, you know, coaching softball that wants to go to Austin to play a tournament at eight years old. I, I don't want to do that. 
I don't think that's fair on the rest of the family that, you know, that we're, we're made to make this huge financial commitment to we can we can play here north of I-10 and, and get a good game. Um, so I think that there's just got to be some sensibilities. My problem is I don't know who that falls on. Right. Um, and I think that might be a secular issue of parents saying, I don't want to travel, but really they do. Uh, I think it might be, you know, are you a national champion if you win a national championship that's not the MLS? Are we really, really, truly out to develop players and people? Or is the machine so good at spitting out collegiate players, because that's where a big percentage of collegiate players come from, that we don't need to change the system? Um, so I, I think it's a really open-ended question. Right. If you ask him what I think, I mean, we live on the outside of it somewhat deliberately. I've had nothing but positive interactions with US club soccer. Uh, I can't say it's the same with USYS. Um, I think that there's also an issue here from tax liability of these clubs being non-for-profits. You know, I, I think that non-for-profits shouldn't be youth soccer clubs maybe it should be or, or some of them could be and some of them should no. um so yeah that's a really good question does a kid that's not in the top 20 of a major metropolitan area well let's say top 50 players if you're right. not in the top 50 players in your age group in a major metropolitan area do you need to leave it if so why? So our why at TTI is experience, culture, all the things you were talking about with playing against Reading is what we want right. for our kids. We want that memory to last, right? And not just be a one-off that we're able to go, you know, on these things yearly to 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 get gain experience and things. so. Yeah, I mean, it's I tough. That's the number one question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I just, I'm just curious, you know, like I said before we started, they're just, it's such a big country. Everyone has probably a different experience than other people. You know, I grew up in Virginia, um, played for the same club pretty much my whole life. I only one year I went to a different club, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, seems like very different in different areas. I mean, the furthest I traveled was a four hour trip but they just we bust everybody you know out to the game but everything else was within like an hour hour and a half um so which i think is reasonable for yeah. travel um but yeah it's it's interesting you know the ecnl stuff is interesting to me you know my current club here in florida they're talking they have promotion and relegation and they're they're promoting we want results which I thought was kind of crazy for some of the younger kids because it starts at U13. And I think that's crazy to start being result-driven at that age. And so I, I just yeah. found it interesting. I'm like, we don't even have promotion relegation in any of our pro leagues. And we're yeah, talking about yeah, doing that yeah, for yeah. our youth. I would rather see it in the USL or because I don't see it happening in the MLS anytime soon. But 
the USL, I think, has a really good chance, and I would like to see it. Yeah, well, I think they're going to introduce it, right? But, yeah, I mean, being results-driven is... Uh, so one of our values at CTI is will to win. And it's not win at all costs. It's will to win. You've got to, you've got to be in it to win it. Right. You've, got, yeah. you've got to play to win. That's the first law of the game. Um, But it, there, there's also a reality there that you're not going to win everything. Yeah. There's only one best team, right? Whether it's yeah. the USL or MLS or Premier League or whatever it is. So, so that's a, yeah, it's another, it's another systemic problem, isn't it? We've got to win this because then the coach is marked by their ability to win. Well, style of football then comes into play, right? Uh, oh, yeah. You know, what what are your tactics likely to be and who are you selecting at U thirteen? You know, are you are you selecting the the smaller player that's a great kid that loves football, that can tell you everything you ever need to know about Liverpool or whatever it might be? But we're we're not growing those kids, we're growing maybe the maybe kids from on athletic side. Um <laughs> Yeah, and, and it, that's that that like to me isn't how we operate, right? So we've got I won't say her name, but we've got a kid that I love that oh she's such a pleasure to watch play. And on a club, she got dropped down a team and told, Oh, she's you know, she's just not strong enough, not big enough, not quick enough. And now here's my thing is you don't have to be a football coach to see that she's not big or strong or fast, right? right? You don't have to, you can be anyone. You could look at our team and go, oh my God, she must struggle. But I had her and I took her on to the state team. She ended up making the regional team and she never gave the ball away. And sure, she lost every header she went up for more or less. And well, But she never lost the ball. She was good in the tackle. So the definition of strong, it, it felt to me like here we have this group of regional level coaches, whatever that means. And she was just completely overlooked. But she was the epitome between two players that we had, one that went to Florida and one that went to Boston College, by the way. And she was the epitome between them. Boom, 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 boom. And and, and in that style of play, was able to get pretty good pretty quick. Um would she have gone and played in college? Is she we we had not got her? Probably not. But she is a very good. I think she'll win some awards this year. Um, but very good quality division three player. And she'll play for the rest of her life. She's, you know, so so what's the you know, what's the incentive if if you're just winning? If I just taught her how to win, she'd just know how to win at a really low level. Right. Um, rather than, you know, being invited to a games, things like that, which I think is sort of a far more humbling experience um, and, and a better experience. Um, the other thing I should say here is a lot of players that go off and go to college come and work for us in the summer or come back and train with us. Um and to be trusted like that feels great, you know. Um, 
So I, I think it goes back to your, what's it all for? Right. <laughs> you know, what's what's it all for is the important thing. Yeah, it uh made made some good points there. Yeah, it's just I found it very odd at that age. You know, they go U thirteen to U nineteen, their their results matter. And I'm like, I mean, I could I could kind of get my mind around the older ages, but I couldn't wrap my head around the U thirteen because like you made the point, I mean, not everyone's developed. Like I, I know for me, I was a small kid until about my junior year of high school. You know, sixteen years old, I hit my growth spurt. So I and I didn't make varsity because of my athleticism. All my other friends made it freshman year, and I'm sitting on JV, but I'm scoring. You know, I'm the leading scorer and assist, and it's you know I'm getting more out of it. I'm getting game time, and but it's just like that mindset of, oh, I gotta. I just need to be win. I just need to win, so I'm gonna get that the athletic kid. It's something yeah. I dealt with personally, so it's interesting you brought that up. Yeah, but it's no, still think... something today. But um, you mentioned a little bit about college, and uh, we've talked a little bit about pro. What are you, um, what have you seen on the opportunities to get more, maybe some more pro looks and? Um, college opportunities um, within the club. Um, I guess you could probably speak from personal experience with your uh, institute, especially. Um, well, I'll I'll leave it there because you're bringing up women's soccer a lot, so I'll have a um, question about that after yeah. this one. So yeah, so with the club, um, you know, it's, it's it's sort of they come to us, right? So we've got a couple of kids that want to play. We think playing in Europe earlier. It's probably better for your professional career. The mm -hmm. NWSL is one of the better leagues in the world, and it's hard to get into. And once you're drafted, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make a contract, right? So if you go and play in Europe, and we've had a couple of players that have done it, um, you're going to get 90-odd professional games under your belt before you graduate college. Um, and even if you don't get those games under your belt, uh, as a professional, you might be in a professional academy. So if you're playing under 19, under 21, but when you come out of university there, you've got that degree in your hand or master's as well, and you've played a lot of games. And so you just become a bit easier on the eyes of the European uh, clubs. Um as far as college here, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a wonderful pathway for kids to get education paid for and to continue playing in a positive team environment. Um, you know, sometimes I think some of it's an extension of youth soccer, but, um, you know, I also think that that's probably part of the culture a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so I think as terms of... Um, what do we provide? We talk to anyone we can. I mean, we, we've gone the route of saying to kids, like, you know, if you want to go to X university, like, like invite them here to watch you train. You know, even if they don't pick you up, they might look at somebody else and then they get to know you a bit. Um, I feel like the casting of the wide net of, I'm just going to go to a bunch of showcases and 
somebody will pick me up doesn't really exist. Um, so I think that when I when we talk about college, I say you got you got to like the weather where you're going. You've got to want to go to the school if you weren't playing football. Once you're on a plane, it doesn't matter where you are. So in Texas, we drive forever. So <laughs> yeah. we do a twelve hour drives like a not a, not a problem, but. You know, if you if you're outside of your whatever your family's drive is, then being on a plane doesn't matter where you are, but the weather does, the school does, um, and then that, and then does it have the academics you need, and then is the is the program going to be there in the way it is when you see it? Is the coach moving? Is the coach using it to lily pad? Are you going into a program where you're never going to play? And and if so, why? Right? You might want to go to a North Carolina or Florida State, but I'll sit on the bench here for four years and I've still got a better chance of playing professionally somewhere than, you know. So it it, it it's really got to be individually tailored. And I, I think that's where we do a bad job of it. Um, you know, I, I think that um, we try to listen to the kids. What do they really want? And then some of them will say to you, look, I'm going to go to Texas A&M. I know I can't play there. I want to play on the club team, but I want to start. I, want, I still want to get better at football. I want to be involved in this. And I don't see why that kid wouldn't then be on a top team somewhere per se, but they're not. They're, they're sort of overlooked. And what they go in there, they don't matter because the clubs can't then promote them. And I think we're relatively quiet about our successes. I think recently we've been a bit, a uh, bit, a uh, bit louder uh, with Annabella going to Italy. Uh, but I mean, we did. It wasn't us that developed her. It was FC Dallas, us, Patty Adoris in California. It was Isaac Daru here. It was you know a bunch of our staff. I mean. It, the bottom line is right. The cream always rises, and and winners are always winners. Um, and so, but it just depends on what your winning looks like. For one of our my favourite kids, it's she's playing in Italy, and one of my favourite kids is she's playing Division Three school in in Kentucky, and absolutely loves it. Um, you know, so so I think it's also looking at what that success means, and then. You know what are those kids going to do when they're when they're post college? Are they are they going to be involved in the sport at all or not? You know, it always. My favorite, worst favorite thing about Twitter is people retiring from soccer, their <laughs> soccer career at twenty two, and it's like you never kicked a professional ball. <laughs> You're just burnt out by it all, and you don't want to do it anymore. And that's that to me, is so sad. I mean, I still play in an over forties league. Um, full over the game, you know. I've yeah. the playing it. What a connector it is, you know. I play in a, I play in an over forties league where I've learned a bit of Slovakian and I know, you know, enough German to get by and Spanish and, you know, where, you know, where else outside the world of sports or politics do you, do you get that sort of in those interactions? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I know, you know, uh, in my experience with giving kids advice for going to college i see so many kids they just go because oh i got a scholarship and this and that and all my friends go in there and 
they leave after a year. And I, the you know, the few times I've given advice, I say, no, you're really, you really want to go there. Not just because you can go play soccer. I think visiting yeah. the school is important if you can, because you can get a feel for how it is academics, something you want to study because you never know if soccer will be there. If you can, are going to continue at a high level, or if you're just going to play in the Sunday league, you know, but um, yeah, I think, I think that was um, some great stuff you had there. Um, so leading into after college, you know, we got, I'll, I'll talk more women's side, but uh, the USL is coming out with some women leagues and, I think that's great because in my eyes, um, women's soccer in America, we're top of the world. I think we're kind of the focal point of having it go big. Um, you know, other countries are catching up and I think this is kind of the op opportune time to expand it and really get more women involved in the game. Um, what do you think of the multiple leagues starting to happen? I think the NWSL has proven it stayed, right? I mean, some yep. of the things they did in those early years that, that I think are widely panned now were actually uh, have helped the league. Um, I, I also think that the USL have had a very good approach to this. They are now on the um, same calendar as Europe. Um, the standards from what I've seen seem to be in place to really support uh, support longevity in play. And I think the fall of US soccer on the women's side has been coming for a decade. Um, I think if you look at the World Cup, our best result was 3-0 against Vietnam, a team that 10 years ago didn't exist. Right. Um, so I think that we've got to have places for our female players to play um, beyond the NWSL because it's extremely difficult to get into. Um, obviously, there's limited squads, limited training opportunities. Um, and, and I think that serves serves well. I'm not, not necessarily critical of it. Um, I think that it, I do think that at some point that there has to be a uh tip on the edge of whether it is a political organization or a football one and i think that that that's important um i think that it could be more subtle in its approaches to things to help be inclusive of fans opposed to exclusive um and i think that that will help help it grow I think that the other problem you've got is attachment to professional teams. So the USL coming in, if those players are somewhat accessible uh, to the to the public and kids can really identify with them, I think that'd be super important. Um, but then I also think that being a pro is being a pro and you should, you know, that should be your main focus. But I do think there is a certain amount of connection to the communities that they're within. Um, I think that the NWSL should be more reasonable about ticket prices. 
I think they should be more reasonable about the cost of things in the stadiums when you're there. And by no means do I think that devalues the game. I just, uh, I, I've never thought that. I've never, it's, I feel the same thing with the MLS. Um, I think everyone can agree that 80,000 people in Atlanta Stadium at $10 a ticket is a lot better than 2,000 people in a stadium. Um, so I think there's a long way to go. I, I like watching the NWSL. I think it's a brutal league. I think, though, that athletically it's uh, it's top of the world. Um, but I'm not I'm not sure whether everyone's caught up with America. I, I, I think it might be that America were dominant in a field of of teams that just hadn't latched on. Um, being in Barcelona and being able to watch Luis work with uh, the Barcelona team and Markel um, there, the drive and clear goal to win the Champions League and to have the best players, um, to me, was... Remarkable. And whilst maintaining, and I thought this was a really good if you look into it, the road to Barcelona winning everything, was having the identity of being Barcelona at the same time as having its own identity. So there were some very subtle things in there, like they had a different sponsor, but they were obviously were same colours, uh, played very, very similar style of football. Um, but we're different. Um, and I, I was watching a game live with with a couple of friends from Europe. We were in, we were over watching, uh, watching some games. And Alexis Patelis, there's not a player like that in the United States. There's just not. She were is and the same with like Sam Kerr at Chelsea. Just an absolute pleasure to watch. And I think that's where you're going to grasp more fans and support. Um, you know, sort of the Rose Lavelle, more in Rose Lavelle than, uh, and I think uh, Lindsay Aran's a hell of a player as well. Um, but I see more of that, more, more quality in terms of thought process, speed, and 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 technique and creativity. Um which it seems like the world is catching up in because I think those women are born into that culture of football. Um, and we're going to see a whole new bunch of players that come in through that, that are emulating not just men's football anymore, but their, but their own stars in, I mean, I thought the World Cup, albeit ended in some sort of controversy, uh, the World Cup was phenomenal to watch. It was great. I enjoyed every every game I watched. I enjoyed, um, you know. So I, th- I think that there's there's a lot going for it. Um, with us, we we push our player. If a player wants to play professionally, and we think they have the ability to, we work with them. You know, we've had twenty seven players come out of us that have garnered professional contracts. We have one play in a World Cup. Um. You know, so, I mean, again, it's not all of us, not all our work that's, you know, all of a sudden they come in and we give them a, you know, the magic pill sort of thing. But I think that it's really important to um, to look at those pieces and go, right, there's, there's something for our kids to emulate, to look at, and it's not 
you know, it's not the stars of yesteryear anymore. They are now enriched part of the history of the game. Uh, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, I think that Thompson and uh, Sophia Smith are very talented players. And so we'll, we'll be interested what Twyla does with them in this interim. I know they won a couple of games in South Africa, right? Uh, so let's see. Let's see what see what that brings with if there's some uh, 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 the 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 centre back was good as well. So we'll see. Yeah, that's uh, I think that's great. Um, one last one for you hmm. with the pro leagues. Um, would you like to see them all work together? You know, England's very simple. You got Premier League Championship, League One, League Two, or do you think it can work with everybody kind of doing their own thing? I know for me, I'd like to see it all fun, fall under one umbrella one day. I just I don't know when that day will come. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it will, will it? I mean, I think that the problems you've got are the MLS. The MLS has done such a fantastic job over the years. I mean, I was talking about this the other day with somebody. You know, like, how big does it need to be? We're already at a good amount of teams. And... Does it need expansion or is that what the USL is for? And of course, USL is also in some major metropolitan markets in the same as the MLS. I think that um, you see Amanda Vandervoort, that's the at USL. She's done a good job. Um, you know, it is growing. I think the women's league, professional league's great addition. I don't think that the system of relegation applies in American culture, although. It will be interesting to see with the USL because it's like a very expensive experiment, right? Uh, yeah. You know, you're putting twenty million dollars into a team for them not to perform. At the moment, it's you're just losing your money. <laughs> um, but if you're losing status, how will that affect anything? But but then in no other sport do we have it. Um, the purpose of owning a franchise is that you own the franchise. Um, so I don't know if it'll ever exist and and I don't know if it'll all come together because I don't I don't think that's the way the culture works. I live in Houston, there's plenty of Dallas Cowboy fans because Houston didn't have a team when they were growing up and that's who they supported. <laughs> you know? Right. So I think right. that's a cultural piece. Um I mean I think the relegation and promotion battles are the best bit about the 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 English and Spanish leagues, right? And I mean, in Scotland, they have a playoff. Where, you know, it's a one-off game and things like that. I mean, there's no doubt that those those are so exciting. I mean, look at Luton Town last year. What a fairy tale! Yeah, amazing. Uh, you know, so I think that yeah, I understand where you're coming from from a traditional piece of it all, but I think that yeah, it's uh, one of those things where I don't think we'll ever see it. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I, I could see it. We'll see if the USL does it. Sounds like they're pushing till two thousand twenty five to implement it. Yeah. Um. But you know, if they do it, I think it could really help grow them and make get more eyes on it. I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong, but I think a lot of people would be more interested in that that are traditional. Just they watch the Premier League and they're like, oh, my local team now has something more to play for than just 
And, and that's just yeah. how I view it from like a fan's perspective. You I know, like I get the, the money behind it, but yeah, the Open Cup is a is a great tournament. But yeah, does it? Do we need like a uh, a second version of it? Um, uh, where it's yeah, do we need a second version? I mean, obviously we have got the Concacaf Champions League, which has just never really taken off here, but it's been great. I think it's a great tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I, I don't make those decisions. <laughs> right, right. I mean, all it takes is some Saudi money, and who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you uh, think of that? That's a interesting little uh, curveball over there. Uh, it seems like to me, it. Uh, I think they need to change their. I think FIFA need to step in and change the transfer windows to better accommodate established leagues. Um, but I mean, look, it's like any job, isn't it? I mean, you're gonna yeah. go if there's you know, if you're a if you're a bricklayer and there's a bricklayer paying more in Saudi Arabia, you're gonna go there. It's that's not that doesn't bother me in the money. Um yeah. you know, I, I I don't I don't know whether it's sustainable. I don't know what their plan is. Um you know, yeah. at the moment just to raise awareness by getting superstars in and all the rest of it. How's that different from what the Premier League did or La Liga? I don't see there's much of a difference when it really comes down to it. And for that matter, the MLS. I mean, look at the... If you had a world all-time 11 MLS at their best, it's one of the best teams of all time. You've got players like Perlo and Ibrahimovic, Ashley Cole, David Beckham, you know, you, you know... And Messi. <laughs> Lionel Messi, Busquets... Uh, Via, you know, Lampard. God, I mean, it goes on. Steven yeah. Gerrard. I mean, on Didier Drogba, Thierry Omri. I mean, look at all those players that played in the MLS. How's it any different? Yeah. You know, I don't know if they're grabbing Ronaldo in his prime. Uh, you know, Elliot. I don't think they're they're grabbing him in his prime. So I mean, good good luck. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. In your career, you're supposed to make a bit of money, and <laughs> it's uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's bad. I mean, some clubs probably benefited from being able to sell their 32-year-old player for $20 million And Yeah, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Liverpool, Klopp is complaining all the time, and then he gets some sale, you know, he gets some funds for Fabinho and – or well, yeah, Fabinho and Henderson they yeah, sold to. Yeah, yeah. It's like – and now that Salah is possibly going to get bought for like 80 – million euros or something uh we'll see we'll see yeah but all right well i appreciate you coming on yeah and uh you have anything that you want to promote or anything like that no um well not really um really enjoyed chatting with you thanks for having me um anyone that's in the houston area we're happy to have them out and and to have them out training and whatnot all right. Yeah. I appreciate your time. All right. Hey, thanks, Jacob. I appreciate it, mate.